The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Mark chapter 9. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 1. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now watch verse 2. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus in verse 5, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, He charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. In some soon to be 50 years of ministry, I've had the blessing to be a part of a lot of great services and a lot of exciting times. Back in the late 90s when I was pastoring in Ohio, we had a revival meeting that started on a Sunday morning and God began to do some unusual things through that day. And then on, it uh, really broke open on Monday night. Our building was filled every evening with folks uh, sitting in chairs. We saw multitudes of people that were saved. We had some folks that were called to the mission field. We saw people standing and confessing sin and making things right with one another. It was just an unusual, unusual week. I had the privilege of preaching in the Philippines several years ago. And one Sunday morning, I preached to thousands of people that gathered in a large auditorium And there were actually people standing outside. The building was constructed so that the back walls were actually like uh, garage doors and they raised up. And they raised those garage doors and people sat in the street and they sat on on concrete blocks and they sat in in folding chairs and there were thousands that were there. And on that day, I know they baptized well over a hundred people in that one service. I don't know how many people made professions of faith. There have also been some times when I have just been by myself, just me and God that have been just some unusual times. When God has done some great things in my heart, when God has showed me some things that just have really literally changed my life. You know, some people spend their entire lives wanting to go from one mountaintop experience to another. Many of these folks perhaps on the platform remember that here in Pensacola, several years ago, there was what was called the Brownsville Revival. And it went on for a long, long time. And people literally came from all over this country and all over the world to be here, to be a part of it. It was was a a very electrifying type of thing. And people were looking for that mountaintop experience. They're looking to go somewhere, to be able to find some kind of relationship with God, to be able to find some experience in their life that would just change everything for them. When the verses that we read this morning in your hearing, we find Jesus taking 
three of his disciples. And they go up on a mountain and they have a mountain top experience. The Bible records for us that there they saw Moses and Elijah. That there they saw the Lord transfigured. That word transfigured, we don't have time to go into all the elements of it. But it's not talking about a reflected type of glory. It's not talking about like you shine the light on someone and that light reflected off of them. It was a glory that originated from within. Literally the veil of flesh that covered the Lord Jesus when he was on this earth was rolled back and they saw him in his resurrected form. They saw him in his deity. It was a marvelous thing to be a part of. But for our purpose this morning, I want us to take just a few moments and I want us to talk about what really happens in a true mountaintop experience. What really happens when God does something special and unusual in a mountaintop type of way? Let me just give you some simple things to think about, maybe four little quick thoughts. First of all, can I suggest to you that a true mountaintop experience will narrow our vision? Let me say that again. A true mountaintop experience will narrow our vision. Look at verse number eight of our text. The Bible records for us that after the voice from heaven had spoken, that suddenly when they had looked around about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. After that voice from heaven, the Bible simply records that they saw no one else but the Lord Jesus. Can I just suggest to you this morning, when we we come out of a true mountaintop experience, we're not going to come out of it talking about some man We're not going to come out of it talking about some church. Hey, we're not even going to come out of it talking about some experience. When we come out of it, our vision is going to be focused on one person and one person only, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's amazing. The amazing thing is that when we do see him as he is, then we begin to see others and other things in the right way. You understand that oftentimes our problem when we're trying to see God work, we see the difficulty. We see the insurmountable task that's before us and we don't see the Lord. And because we don't see the Lord, we become discouraged and we, we, we sometimes just throw our hands up. Do you, do you remember when Thomas, you remember the story when the, uh, or excuse me, Andrew, you remember when they, the feeding of the 5,000? You remember Andrew found that little lad and he, he brought him to the Lord and he said, here, there's a lad here and he has five loaves and, and two fishes. But in the same breath, he said, but what are they among so many? He was looking at the multitudes. He was even looking at the little lad in his lunch. But he really wasn't looking at the Lord. But when the Lord got his hands on those loaves and those fishes, it was more than sufficient to feed the multitudes. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is this. A mountaintop experience will narrow our vision down to where we will see the Lord and we'll see him only. And we'll realize that he is the answer to every situation that he is the answer to every problem, that he is the one that we look to in every time in our life. You know, sometimes we, when it comes to wanting to see people get saved, we look at the person and we don't look at the Lord. We see the difficulty. We we look at the person. We see how wrapped up in sin they are. Or maybe we look at the person and we see how intertwined with some kind of false doctrine or false teaching they are, or how even they just reject that there, that there is a God and, and, and they're very humanistic in their thinking. And we look at them and we begin to get discouraged. We think, well, we can't help this person. There, there's nothing we can do for them. Our problem is when we look at individuals, we get discouraged. But when we look at Jesus, we realize anything is possible. 
And so when they came down off that mountain, when they'd had that mountaintop experience, their vision had been limited. They saw no man save Jesus only. And they knew that anything is possible with Christ. Let me give you a second thing to think about. Not only will a mountaintop experience narrow our vision, but I suggest to you, second of all, that it also will redirect our goals. Look, look in verse number five. You have to love Simon Peter. I, I appreciate what the Bible says in verse number six. After he'd made that statement about the tabernacle, it, said, it says this, for he wist not what to say. Peter was one of those guys that even when he didn't know what to say, had to say something. You know, someone made the observation that you can either keep silent and be thought a fool, or you can open your mouth and take away all doubt. And that's kind of where Peter was. He could have stayed silent and maybe been thought a fool, but instead he opened his mouth and he took away all doubt that he was a fool in this situation. Peter wanted them to build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one, one, one for the Lord. Now understand something. That was not necessarily a bad thing. Let me say it again. It was not necessarily a bad thing, but that was not what God's will was at that moment. And please understand this. A mountaintop experience will re redirect our thinking until our only goal in life will be to achieve God's will, God's goal for our life. There are a lot of people today, and you know this as well as I do, there are a lot of people doing things with their life that are not bad. They're just not God's will. You've heard that many times from this pulpit. And sometimes we're looking for an experience of some sort. We're, we're looking for something to happen in our lives, some, some uh, amazing thing. Understand, when God does a work, it will totally redirect our goals. And we will come out of that mountaintop experience with one desire and one desire only. And that is to do the very will of God. If what happens to us in a mountaintop experience doesn't cause us to want to change our life goal to God's will for our life, then it wasn't truly of God. It may have been an emotional experience. We may have had a wonderful time. We may have enjoyed ourselves. It, it may have given us a wonderful feeling. But if it doesn't cause us to totally redirect our thinking and totally redirect what our goals are and make our only goal in life to do what we know God wants us to do, then it was not of God. Let me give you a third thing. Not only will a mountaintop experience narrow our vision and redirect our goals, but I think thirdly, I would suggest to you that a true mountaintop experience will calm our fears. Now you have your Bible there in front of you. Go back to the book of Matthew, chapter number 17. This is where we find the same situation taking place as Matthew gives us the account. Now, back in our, in our text in Mark chapter 9, in verse number six, the Bible reminds us that Peter, when he said what he said, he did so for they were so afraid. And look again in Matthew chapter 17, look at verse number six, if you will. The Bible says, and when the disciples heard it, they're talking about that voice from heaven, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and be not afraid. Can I suggest to you that a true mountaintop experience will not only narrow our vision, and redirect our goals. But a true mountaintop experience will also calm our fears. The Bible tells us that they were afraid when they heard the voice speaking from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. They were afraid. 
But verse number seven reminds us in Matthew chapter 17 that Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and be not afraid. I suggest to you this morning that it will calm our fears about our relationship with Christ. Do you understand that in this salvation process, that it normally begins with a fear. You know, John Newton wrote that great song, Amazing Grace. He says, was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace, my fears relieved. A salvation process normally begins with fear. Any workings with God normally begins with fear as we are made to realize how inadequate we are, even how sinful we are. And realizing how great and majestic that God is, it brings us to the place of fear. But the Bible records for us that when Jesus came, he touched them and relieved their fears. Can I just say to you again that a mountaintop experience will calm our fears about our relationship with Christ. It'll help us to understand that we are a child of God, that we belong to him. And that the touch of the master's hand drives away all fear and it brings peace. Was it not Jesus that said in John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled? You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm saying to you this morning that a true mountaintop experience will drive away the fear of our relationship with the Lord Jesus. It will calm our heart. It will remind us that we belong to him, that we're his child, that he cares for us in every area of our lives. I would also suggest to you that a mountaintop experience will calm our fears about the future, about the future. You understand th these folks did not know what the next day or even the next hour would hold, but they trusted in Christ. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number nine, the Bible tells us that a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his step. None of us know what the future holds, but there's one thing that can drive away the fear in our lives and that is when we completely put our trust in him and we let him be the one that works in and through us in all things. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're very near to graduation and maybe you have your life all charted out. You know exactly what it is you want to do when you graduate and maybe even already have the job lined up and, and uh, you either are engaged or getting ready to get engaged and you know who you're going to marry and boy, life is just coming together for you. Well, I'm glad for you if that's the way, if that's true. Others of you, it may be quite not so much. A lot of fears about graduation. That one thing you've looked forward to for so long, all, all four years, you just long for the day you walk across this platform and get your diploma. Now you're thinking, I'm not sure if I want to do that or not. Because I don't know what waits on the other side of that platform. Well, folks, listen to me. None of us know what the future holds. But as the old songwriter said, we do know who holds the future. And our faith, our trust, when it's in him, he drives away. A mountaintop experience will drive away our fears. It'll cause us again to trust in him and know that he holds the future. I get tickled sometimes when some of y'all come into the office and, and you talk about the fears of what's going to happen. And I don't mean I'm, I'm laughing at you, but it's kind of humorous in this sense. When I graduated from college way back in 1972, let that sink into you for a moment. I've told you, I predate this college. I, I graduated from college before there was a Pensacola Christian College. But when I graduated from college, I did not even know where the city of Mansfield, Ohio was. I had never heard of it. I did not know people by the name of Richard Folger and 
Al Humble, Dennis Riddick. I, I did not know those people. Never heard of them. And yet this morning, all these years later, as I look back, those are some of the people that have had the greatest influence in my life. People that are my greatest friends today. People that had the greatest impact upon where I am in ministry. I didn't even know them when I graduated. You don't know what's out there waiting for you, but please know this. You should know who is out there waiting for you. And that's the Lord. And when we trust the Lord with all of our heart and we lean not to our own understandings in all of our ways, acknowledge him. Trust me, he will direct your path. Like I said, when I graduated from college, it was not in the back of my mind that one of these days I'm going to go be on staff at Pensacola Christian College because there was no Pensacola Christian College. It was in the mind of God, but it certainly wasn't in my mind. And yet step by step, day by day, God has led our path, charted our path, led us down the way, and here we are. I'm simply trying to encourage this morning to understand this, a mountaintop experience. When you really get alone with God and God does something in your life, he will calm your fears, first of all, about your relationship with the Lord, but he'll also calm your fears about the future because you realize God's in control. And though I don't know what lies out there, I don't know what's ahead, he does. And I trust him because he does all things well. Let me give you one other thing. We've talked about the fact that a mountaintop experience will narrow our vision, focus our attention upon Christ only. We talked about how it will redirect our goals. We'll move away from anything but wanting to do the will of God. We talked about how it will calm our fears, whether it's about our relationship with Christ or whether it's about the future. But the last thing I give you is just this, that you cannot live on the mountaintop. You want me to say that again? You cannot live on the mountaintop. Look at verse number nine, back in our text in Mark chapter nine. In verse number nine, the Bible says, and they came down from the mountain. As they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they'd seen. As they came down from the mountain. You know, ultimately, eventually, we have to come down from the mountain. We have to come down from that place of, of, of uh, close, uh, exciting things that are going on in our life. And we have to come back to reality. And when, did you notice this? That when they came back to reality, there was a couple of things that they found. In verse number 14, they found a world of disputers. In verse number 14, the Bible says that a great multitude were about the disciples and the scribes questioning with them. They walked right back into a world of disputers. And not only that, they also walked into a world of heartache. Because verse 17 through verse 18 tells us about a, a fellow that was there that had a, a son that had a, a dumb spirit. I'm sure your father would never have said that, but this man's son had a dumb spirit. And he threw himself in the fire and he gnashed his teeth and pined away. Jesus and those disciples walked right back into this. But do you understand? It was right that they do so. Because this is where the Lord needed them. He didn't necessarily need them on the mountaintop. That's why he didn't let them build the three tabernacles. They weren't staying there. They weren't, they weren't remaining on the mountaintop. They were coming back to life, to reality, to the world as it is. A world that's full of disputers and questioning, questioners. A world that's full of heartache and problems and disappointment and discouragement. But that's where they were needed. 
They needed the experience, yes, as they drew close to God, but then they needed to turn right back around and go right back to the place where they were needed the most. And that was in a world of hurting people. And by the way, that's what God wants to do with my life and that's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to give you direction. He, he wants to narrow your goals. He, he wants to narrow your vision. He, he wants to uh, take away the fear, but then he wants to take you and put you in a place where you can be a blessing and a help and encouragement to others. You remember the story of Esther in the Old Testament? You remember that she was there in the palace and after the decree was signed about the Jews going to be destroyed, the Mordecai sent word to her about trying to do something and she of course said, I, I, I don't know what I can do. I'm, I'm here in the palace and I haven't been summoned before the king in some time and I, I don't know what to do. And Mordecai reminded her, he said, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Who knoweth? But you are where you are for such a time as this. I have to wonder that about myself with the years that God still gives us in the future. I have to wonder about you young people. I'll be honest with you. My heart breaks when I think about the world that we're sending you out into. My heart breaks when I think about the attitudes and the, and the direction that this nation is, is in right now. And not just this nation, but the world. And, thing, and I think, why well, so? We're going to send these young people out into something like this? But who knows? Maybe they aren't come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is the time that God needs us more than he ever needed us. This is the time when the work of God needs people that will stand up for the truth and stand up for what's right. And not just in the, in the pastorate, that's important. Not just on the missionary field, that's important. But I'm talking about people that are going out into, into society itself and going into the schools and, and, and going into the, the hospitals and, and going into the business world and, and going into all the professional realms that go in with a heart that's been on the mountaintop and has had their vision narrowed and had their goals redirected, and their fears driven away. And they're ready now to take their place and take their stand for the glory of God. I'm simply saying to you this morning, you can't live on the mountaintop. You have to come back to reality. But when you come back to reality, come back equipped. Come back ready to go. Come back ready to face the world. And to be a testimony that can uplift and glorify the name of the eternal God in the midst of all the darkness that surrounds us. What an experience. Man, can you imagine being there with them, seeing what they saw, experiencing what they experienced? Again, I've had some great experiences in my life. I've seen some marvelous things. I've seen God do some unusual things. I would not even try to take the time to relate to you all, uh, many of the things that, that we've experienced in our, in our years of ministry. But God does those things, but you have to move on. And it's time to go back and to face life as life is and be the salt and the light that this dark need, world needs. A mountaintop experience. My soul, what a difference we can make in the world when we've been with Jesus. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, 
visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.